Welcome everybody to the Way of Blade, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Schneider, author of Way of the Blade, 100 of the greatest bloody matches in professional wrestling history, and writer on the Segunda Caeta blog. I am pleased to be joined today by my friend, uh, Childs Walker, a sports writer for the uh, Baltimore Sun, and longtime uh, wrestling fan and enthusiast. Uh, and we're here to talk today about... Yoshiaki Fujiwara versus Kazuo Yamazaki from UWF Reborn, July 24th, 1989. How are you doing, Charles? I'm doing okay, other than the fact that I'm still wasting my life at a, at a newspaper. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I did to, uh, to have myself in that position, but other, otherwise things are, uh, things, thing, things are good. Somebody's <laughs> got to turn off the lights, right? When the whole yeah. thing with it, so he's gonna be the last one out the door to shut the lights off. Maybe that'll be you. <laughs> that, that, no, that that's that's obviously a, a very familiar joke at, uh, <laughs> at, at at the newspapers, and 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 I'm looking like a better and better candidate for that. So. <laughs> it is the uh, <laughs> America's last newspaperman. Sounds kind of like a Beckett short story or something. <laughs> I gotta like buy, buy myself a black hood that I'll have ready uh, ready when it's time. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, are you just covering all Baltimore sports? They got you covering, uh, you're, you're like the one-man sports department. You got Orioles and Ravens and field hockey, high school field hockey, all of it. It's not, it's not, it's not quite that bad, but it's, uh, I mean, as as you know, I mean, I've always been kind of a jack-of-all-trades, but but I mean, it, it, it's it's not, not too far from the truth at this point. I mean, I, uh, I, def- I filed a golf story today. Um you know, obviously, we got the run up to the Raven season. I do, and then the next thing I do will be some sort of uh, examination of the the depths of the Orioles' 18 game losing streak and 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 what it all means for the the tragedy of the the Baltimore baseball fans. So, so yeah, I mean, it is uh, it's 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 a little bit like that. I'm 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 feeling like a one man band. <clears throat> Good. Well, we are uh, we're here to talk about uh, today. One of my Maybe my all-time favorite wrestler. You know, it changes. It changes, like you know, with the like everything. Uh, Yoshiaki Fujiwara in what might be his masterpiece, uh, the July twenty-fourth, nineteen eighty-nine UWF Reborn uh, battle against Kazuo Yamazaki. Tell me a little bit about your sort of uh, thoughts and feelings about Fujiwara, and I guess Yamazaki is fine. But you know, so like, it's like you know, we know who the star of this match is. Let, let, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, you know, you you've always been a discovery guy at heart, right? Like, yes. like, like, like you're you're a guy who likes to find new stuff and find people to be excited about that no one's been excited about before. And and I feel like Fujiwara might be your your ultimate on that front, right? Is that is that fair to say? I I mean, yeah, sure. That or the French stuff, right? One of the two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was a guy who I initial, my initial experience with him, I was a little late to this. I wasn't contemporaneously a fan of his in like the nineties. It sort of was around the time when we put together the other Japan set for Death Valley Driver, which this match is on and was my number one, uh, voting for that. I really became this enormous super fan of his, but because I remember, I remember reading the old DVD BRs, and you know, I th- this is probably when I was like first getting a taste for shoot style. Um, and and you guys would rip on Fujiwara, right? Like back 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 in the day. I mean, and, and that was sort of the default. I mean, a lot, a lot of people thought he sucked um, until you guys really did the footage dive for 
for the ace. Ad. I mean, I, you know, I, he, he, he was not a guy who had a strong reputation among internet wrestling nerds. And yeah, late- I mean, Mike Lorifice, who did, who reviewed a lot of this stuff and sold a lot of this stuff. He craps on Fujiwara and a lot of his reviews. I, yeah. I, I remember that my first real experience with him was he had a match against Kawada in all Japan. Um, that was maybe the worst match Worst match quality-wise to on-paper excitement-wise I can ever, ever think of. Like, when you're talking about a match where you look out of your paper and think, oh, this, and then actually watch it, like, oh, that. And uh, and uh, so that was my first experience with him. And I, I remember revisiting that match after I became a big Fujiwara fan, kind of assuming that I would have judged it unfairly and like it now, and no, it's still terrible. And it, it's like the data. I think it might have been a weird political thing, but like Fujiwara just basically didn't sell anything for Kawada at all. Like Kawada would kick him, and Fujiwara would just look at him. And then like the end, he like kind of popped up at the finish. And it's you know he's a guy who's great at selling. It's not like he does that normally. So I, it felt like something was up. Like I, I, there's probably a, a you know some sort of article that could be written about the politics of what was actually going on in that match. But I remember thinking, who is this old fart who's just who's like getting kicked in the face by Kawada and just ignoring it. This guy stinks. And then, you know, like, obviously when I got into it, this was a real outlier as far as the quality of his matches because he's, you know, a genius, um, in a wrestling genius in other ways. But yeah, I think, I think I came to him through your guys, sort of through the lens of your guys' enthusiasm for him, which you had developed, you know, through watching all that footage for, for, for the set. So, I mean, for me, I, I didn't, I didn't quite have the like, like, I didn't go through sort of the phase of assuming he sucked or look at him in, in a skeptical way. I mean, you know, I, I, I was drawn to him because you guys were so excited about him. So, so I mean, you know, I, I, I came in expecting good things, and and then of course he, uh, he meets those expectations and and exceeds them. I mean, he's, you know, just just going back and watching this match yesterday. Um, I mean, it's still. It's still pretty. A lot of the stuff he did is still pretty unique. I think, um, you know, even, even now it feels that way. And you know, and when you when you go back and watch his classic matches, they don't really feel like anybody else's classic matches, which is a pretty th- hard thing to pull off. You know, given how many imitators we've seen over the years, you know, of, of, of various people. I mean, everything feels recycled. But watching that match yesterday for the first time in in years, it still felt pretty damn fresh to me. Yeah, and he has so many children, right? I mean, you know, guys that he trained and helped train and promotion. I mean, that's the other thing about Fujiwara. You'd expect, you know, he, he trained all those battle arts guys. He helped train all of, you know, these, all of the groups of guys coming in the UWF after him. Yam, the Yamazaki in this match is a guy he helped train. And you figure out a guy with that many, that many wrestling kids, there would be somebody who did his stuff. And I think Ishikawa does sort of. But, but, but you know, not like Fujiwara. Meets great no, in his own way. I mean, Ishikawa is probably the the biggest one where you you feel echoes of Fujiwara when 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 you watch him. But you know, I, I, you know, Ishikawa had other fathers too, of course. And I, yeah, even even still, a lot of a lot of the little a lot of the little Fujiwara isms you, you don't even see from an Ishikawa. So so I mean, it's you you have to go to the you have to go to, to the straight source to to get to get the good the good pure stuff. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I mean. It, not only, you know, what we're talking about is how great he is at, at mat work, which I think he's, you know, one of the, any argument for greatest mat wrestler of all time includes him, if you're being serious about it, right? But also just like, I mean, this match I think is a master class of smirks, 
which is also one of his great. You know, he's just such a. He can be such a smirky shit shit bird in, in such an entertaining way, and he is all over sort of taunting and you know like fucking with Yamazaki, and even when he gets hit, he kind of goes, "All right, let me, let me." Let me still, I'm still going to tap my belly even after you kick me in the belly. <laughs> and, and I'm still going to, part- I'm going to do fake karate when you throw your kicks. I'm going to do like high school uh, teen movie villain uh, making fun of an Asian guy karate uh, kicks uh, in response. I mean, just kind of, a, just complete, uh, you know, sm- for a guy who's so lovable in some ways, he's also just such a dick. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's there's a lot of what you would think of as downtime in this match, but you watch it and he's he's so engaging with his bullshit that it, that it doesn't end up feeling like downtime, or at least at least it doesn't to me. I mean, it's 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 a long match for a shoot style match. I mean, obviously they're teasing, they're kind of teasing a thirty minute draw, but man, it just I, I feel like it just whipped by when when I watched it yesterday, and and you know again it's because he's he's so good at that space filling. I mean, and 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 you. You alluded to the stuff he does. I mean, the little, the little, the little hand gestures, and you know, just just the way he, the way he scoffs at the beginning when when Yamazaki tries some of like his goofier spin kicks. I mean, it's just, you know, he he works the whole match with his face, you know, independent of what he does with his body, and it's like not even, you know, you talked about him as a mat wrestler. I it's not even really a great mat wrestling match for him. I mean, I I, I wouldn't, you know, if I if I were steering somebody to like a a Fujiwara like mat worker clinic. This 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 would not be it. I mean, there's there's some nice hard exchanges, but I mean, I, I don't I don't think that's ultimately what you come away with when when you watch this one. Right. I mean, there's some cool, really cool when they go down in the mat counter stuff. I really love the way he'll he'll like you know somebody will get his back and he'll just kind of like twist an ankle or turn away. It always seems like he has a a counter to a counter to a counter. But yeah, you're right. This is not this is a very honest feet match. Right. It's it's Yamazaki's kicks against Fujiwara's headbutts and body shots. It might be the it might be the greatest headbutt match of all time. I don't I don't I don't <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, this is gonna be a superlatives podcast. You can't, I'm not gonna do a Fu, Fujiwara podcast and not have superlatives. I mean, in some ways this match, you know, this is the way of the blade is a book about bloody wrestling. This match does not is not a a bloodbath. It's got blood in it, and it's got blood in a really like meaningful way, but only maybe in the last thirty seconds of the match. But yeah, I could see the. He, I mean, tremendous headbutts, just tremendous. By you know, like it, from to the side of the head, to the cheek, over the eye, you know, to the neck, uh, and some really, really great like body shots too, which is a hard thing to do in pro wrestling to have good, good looking body shots. One of my favorite things uh, to see great body shots, but not something that's easy to pull off. Oh no, me, me me too. And you know, I mean, we're, we 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 share uh, we share a love for boxing in addition right. to a love for wrestling. So I mean, obviously the uh, you know the 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 body work is near and dear to my heart as well. And I was I was going to get to that, but I mean, on the on the headbutts, um, like if you've only seen Fujiwara wrestle in New Japan, it, uh, these these are not those headbutts, right? The 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 really theatrical ones where he cocks back and then kind of kind of only only lightly lands it, and you know he's doing the hard head comedy. I mean that's. That's his shtick in New Japan, but this is a whole different animal, right? I mean, he's 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 using his head as a as a battering ram, and it's just these short, sharp, vicious butts. Where, as you said, I mean, he'll he'll hit you he'll hit you in the ear, or like right right in the mush, and I mean, it's just uh, they're 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 incredible. And I mean, that's it's that's really kind of the frame of this match. I mean, you know, that's the first big blow he lands is a is a headbutt, 
uh, yeah. right to Yamazaki's head. And yeah, then right to the side of his ear, and you could see Yamazaki check his ear to see right. if it, like, he opened up the side of his ear. Did he, did he bust his eardrum? He bust his eardrum <laughs> with that first, the very first headbutt of the thing. It was definitely in, in the mix. And you see that, and you're like, okay, this is the stuff, yes! I want to see it. Er- I want to see an early broken eardrum in this match. That's what I want to see. And then, and then... Yamazaki gets in a, a like a nasty little nasty little headbutt like sort sort of toward the end and that that's like an oh shit moment where you think maybe maybe the match is going to go the other way and then and then of course headbutts play prominently in, into the finish so I mean it's it's just uh, it is is a brilliant symphony of of, of headbutts. <laughs> I, I, I want to come back to something that you mentioned a minute ago because you mentioned that you said that this was a, a relatively long shoot style match but that was one of the things you didn't do the. You've, you were on a bunch of the footage, in the footage mines for a bunch of these Death Valley Driver uh, sets, but not this one, right? Not this one, that's right. Yeah, that's- so they, this was a thing that the, the UWF would do were, were these undercard 30-minute draws. Right, Like right. So, so this was long, but I mean, they would do this all the time. And it was the weirdest thing. It was sometimes tough to watch because when we were doing putting this together, this uh, uh, eighty set together, uh, me and I think Tom, we watched all of it. So we'd watch, you know, Shia, uh, Miyato versus Nakato time limit draws, Miyato Anjo versus time limit draws, uh, Miyato Mark Rush versus time limit draws. This show opens with a Mark Rush Suzuki thirty minute time limit draw. Right. And it almost feels like they're doing, they just did that thing all to set up the, this match. Like, that's why they did it. Whoever the booker was, said, we got to run, we got to do a 30 minute title of a draw at virtually every show just to set up, uh, to make it really mean something when, it, when we tease it at the end of this match. Well, uh, at least that's a more fulfilling way to think of it because yes, a lot so of those matches are, are just, just, dog shit to sit through right i mean you know i i kind of enjoy almost everybody in the promotion so i maybe dog shit's harsh but it all you're you never thinking you know, none of them you really think of, they needed 30 minutes there, there's, I mean, my, my there's, favorite there's a couple of, of months after that it's a lot of leg locks <laughs> my the craziest thing is a couple months after this show the, uh, in they opened the uh, the the October twenty fifth show, uh, which is main evented by a great Fujiwara Takata match yeah. with two straight <laughs> undercard thirty minute title draws. Mark Rush, Shiego Mayato, right in to Minoru Suzuki, Yoji Anjo, two in <laughs> a row, which almost feels like a rib. <laughs> really. <laughs> Like if some promotion booked that now, you'd assume they were doing that to like fuck with their audience or kill a town or something they don't want to go back to. Well, like, they, like they, they were trying to kill uh, Sapporo. Like, I'm not, you know, I hate Sapporo. We're not coming back to Sapporo. Let's open them up with two 30-minute draws so I can convince the Yakuza in Sapporo that we can't come back there. We can't draw any crowds. Well, and 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 I mean, I think they I think they kept doing them in UWFI, which is yeah, is yeah. I think neither of our favorite uh, shoot style promotion. But, uh, but you know, I, I I don't I don't think those went away. Yeah, <laughs> they, they they followed uh they followed followed around Takata like an unfortunate stink. Right. 
<laughs> yeah. So it's it's uh, so, but, uh, but again, I think like it kind of really works in the context of this match because you just assume it's going to be another thirty minute draw, and you're like, okay, that's just something they do in this promotion. I mean, I know when I watched it for the first first time after seeing, uh, uh, you know, Rush Miato on the same show, and this was the main event of that. Uh, I remember thinking, oh, you know, this is. Or no, it was it wasn't Rush Miata. It was a different one. It was in the main. It wasn't that one. But seeing that when I was watching the show, Miata, uh, I remember thinking, "Oh, it's going to be another thirty minute rock. This match is awesome. It really could use a finish." And I think there's an argument. You know, we're talking a lot. Like I said, this could be a superlative fight. Fujiwara may be the best finish guy in wrestling history. Who would yeah. be some comp- who would be some contenders for that? For like the greatest finish guys, like having setting up really impressive finishes. Finish guys. Um. Well, because his his are so good because they're there's such variety and and he's he's good at just pulling them out of nowhere, right? I mean that's that's what's that's what that's what's unique about him. I mean, you know, again talking about the children of Fujiwara, I mean, I, I do think that's something that Ishikawa is really good at too. Um, yeah. I mean, he's 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 a guy, but I'm trying to think. I mean, who's like your American best finish guy? Yeah, I don't know. Danielson's pretty good but i mean he got pretty formulaic too at, at points i mean i mean I that's, a, that's the thing i mean he was he was good in that he had different he had different things he could go to but i mean you know the 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 finish thing in general i feel like in modern wrestling they're all they all have to be so elaborate now that i mean I, it, it's it's hard to it's hard to pick a modern guy. I, I, there's not one that's leaping out to me. I don't know. And you know, so much of the the older great wrestlers, you know, it's not like Ric Flair had great finishes. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of his finishes were grab the trunks or you know whatever, right? I mean, I mean, it, I, I, I guess I guess Bret Hart was sort of known for pulling out some nifty nifty ones that didn't depend on the sharpshooter or whatever, right? I mean, if you, right. if you want a very mainstream guy, he, he's a guy who. who Put some nice thought into his finishes. Yeah, there you go. But I mean, I would a good uh, no, a nominee for like American guy, but it's not like you're ever going to put Bret Hart finishes against Fujiwara finishes. It's like they have any... Well, because there's no there's no violence yeah, there, right? right? There's no. Yeah, he gets a nice roll up. <laughs> I mean, it was always the th- I, you know it was always maybe one one of my criticisms of Bret Hart is that you never got to. I mean, he had nice punches, but. He wasn't a guy who who you know you ever thought was really viciously. Yeah. No, even even the famous Austin match where Austin's bleeding and the sharpshooter, right? It's not. It doesn't doesn't have the aura of real violence. Yeah, it, it has the aura of effective performance art. But but I mean, you know, it's it it, it ain't it ain't this match, right? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I really like that match. I, I I rewatched that one again after not really having seen for many years when I wrote it for the book. It was really it, it, so sort of surprised at how much I I, I uh, liked it. Uh, but we'll, I'll do a podcast on that one. I'm assuming with somebody, maybe you. I don't know. You're probably going to come back. I, I, I was saying, you know, I talked to you about this. Well, I don't have a hundred friends <laughs> I could talk to about wrestling. <laughs> you know, I got like two, I got thirty, and they'll each come on three times. It feels like we should talk a little about Yamazaki. This, but I'm not going to. So uh, I want to talk one of the other great things I think about Fujiwara in this style and in this match is his selling, because. My f- favorite thing about Fujiwara, w- selling-wise, is that he only sells stuff that lands. He never sells uh, attempt. He only sells conclusion, uh, which is not true of most wrestlers. So you'll often see people like, you know, every kick that Yamazaki lands here isn't 
super clean. If it's not clean, Fujiwara shrugs it off. You know what I mean? And, and well, you know, and, and, and a lot of times he modulates it where he starts to shrug it off. And then he goes, oh, no, that one landed. You know what I mean? Which is something you see in, in, in real combat sports all the time, too. Like, you know a punch lands hard in boxing and uh, in MMA when the guy pretends it doesn't hurt. <laughs> like that's how you know it hurts, right? The guy shrugs it off and does a little dance about it. Doesn't really hurt him. That's how you know he really got cracked. No, he's got he's got an awesome. I mean, one of the one of his uh, one of his ten counts in in this in this match is an awesome sort of half delayed sell, right? Where he where he eats the shot and 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 you're right. I mean, it's it's like you know he does the thing where he's shielding his body and you know normally normally he's just gonna. You know, he's just going to take it, but then he does sort of slowly. He he sort of slowly goes down. Um, and no, he's he's beautiful with that. But yeah, I love I love the early stuff where you know, again, I mean, if if Yamazaki throws some like goofy shit at him, some like you know Bruce Lee movie shit, like not only not only does he not sell it, he he, he sort of actively like looks at him like you know, really, you're going to come at me with that shit? Yeah, um, what the fuck do you think we're doing here? <laughs> What is, what is this crap? <laughs> Save that for your Takata singles. That's what you can do when you pull off that stuff. <laughs> you guys can do that all night long. Yeah. In, in between your shitty leg locks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, That's a separate podcast where me and you talk about how much we hate those matches, which are universally loved by everyone else. <laughs> but, but to be fair, I do think Yamazaki really steps up to it in, in this match. I mean, he, you know, in, in those... In those nasty, violent dogfight exchanges, I mean, he's he's there taking those shots and giving those shots, right? I mean, yeah, he, no, this is a really great performance by him for a guy who absolutely. Uh, and he had some other ones. I mean, he had those 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 uh, Hashimoto matches later in his career. He's a guy who's got a pretty great top ten. No, he's like he's an awesome dance partner for wrestlers that I really love. Yeah, you know, which look, that's that's a lot better than you can say for most guys. So I mean, yeah. that's not a. You know, he's still he's still got this match in, in on, on his resume, even even if we're even if we're giving uh, more credit to Fujiwara. Yeah, but I mean, I, it, like I said, it's it's yeah, and he he's he is really good, and I think it, it does feel like a a real achievement when he gets when he starts really turning it on on Fujiwara, especially because Fujiwara has been so dismissive of him early in the match. You get a sense where at one point Fujiwara goes, "Fuck, man, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to run through this kid." And he just need me right in the kidneys, and I, you know, and I, I'm I'm in actual real deep trouble here, and I wasn't expecting to be. No, uh, I mean, and and I think Yamazaki sets that tone pretty early. I mean, there's there's he he sort of gets out an early grappling exchange, and, and Fujiwara is prone, and he just he just sort of punts him right in the ribs, and it, it's and it's it's like okay, you know, he's here to he's here he's here to play. <laughs> and the kidneys seem like the guy, a thing you guy. I mean, Fujiwara feels like a guy who has put a bottle of sake or two away in his day, right? And those kidneys sake. can't be. In, those kidneys can't be in great shape, <laughs> right? Those he can't be. In, he can't be in perfect kidneys. I don't get a sense that he's a guy who, uh, although obviously a tremendous, a tremendous athlete in great physical condition, is not a guy who who uh, lives a, a clean uh, uh, monastic lifestyle. I mean, somehow, somehow though, he's he's in better shape than almost every other Japanese wrestler of his generation, right? Yeah, seriously. Like he's, he's still he's still kicking. <laughs> well, he's a, he's a weird, very weird thing about Fujiwara, where he's the guy who always looked fifty. 
Yeah, he did. He looked 50 when he was 25. He looks 50 when he's 70. He no. just that doesn't, look, it doesn't look tremendously different now than he looked in this match, which at this point is like 30 years ago. Right. Because um, he looked 10 years older than he was here and now looks like 10 years younger than he is now. Yeah. And, you know, when you see Fujiwara, I mean, Fujiwara still, still is, you know, not incredibly active, but still shows up couple, you know, hand, half a dozen times a year in wrestling matches, and is usually still pretty entertaining for a guy who's very old. Um, I would say, I would say, if it wasn't for whatever the hell is going on with Black Terry, I would say he's the best wrestler in his, you know, sixties and seventies. <laughs> uh, certainly, even now. Yeah. Um, and the, I mean, Yama, it's funny, right? I mean, he's much older. He seems much older than Yamazaki. And Yamazaki, he's got to be retired for what, 15, 20 years now. Yeah, I don't even know. I, I I don't even know when the last time he would have he would have wrestled both. Yeah, it has. To. This is yeah. This is an answerable question. Hold on a second. I can just, I can just right. This is this is in the, it's two thousand. Uh, yeah, his last match was was he wrestling? He retired twenty one years ago. <laughs> Yamazaki. <laughs> last match was in two was January fourth, two thousand. Was the last time he wrestled. Well, there. So you know. There you have it. <laughs> So there you go. Not actually that long. If you think about it, a pretty short career for Yamazaki, right? I, I, he's a guy who probably started, you know, 15 years. Seems like it, right? Probably started around 83 or 84, I'm guessing. He was he was in, he was in another one of the New Japan trainees who was in the first UWF. Um, but he looks really young in the first UWF stuff. Yeah. I mean, he, he really looks like a baby. 82 was his debut match. Yeah. Uh, losing to Black Cat. It's a guy who I think every every wrestler uh, every wrestler uh, is their first loss is to Black Cat. And is that, That's kind of how it works in New Japan, right? As I recall, Sh- there was another Fujiwara Yamazaki match from the first UWF run that was also on the set. That was like sort of an interesting comparison to this one. Now I didn't watch that match this time around, so 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 I'm not I'm not 100 sure, but I feel like they had one from like '85 or something that was kind of a you, you you could kind of see how how they had how Yamazaki had grown and how they'd kind of grown the style when you compared right the '85 version to the '89 version. Yeah, they, I mean, I this '89 the '89 '90 UWF stuff is just just off the charts great and really is when they sort of mastered this whole thing. I think, um, and I, they did the you know shoot style turned into different things after this, and there certainly is some very very high points post. UWF Reborn, but I think UWF Reborn is my peak of it. Well, there's so uh, there's so much talent, and I mean, if they had and if they had kept it together, I mean, obviously there would have been there would have been even more talent because of the the young guys who were just coming up when it when it splintered. But um, it's kind of the golden age, right? I mean, and, and yeah, almost to it. We, I talked a little about this with I've done a podcast about the other match from this day, right? And I this show with Snowden, uh, right? With, with with John Snowden, who uh, who had wrote wrote was written a bunch of books on mixed martial arts and wrote a book, uh, his Shamrock biography is very good. Has got like you know chapters about backstage UWF and PWG PWFG backstage politics, which is just you know insane that anybody write a book that has that in there. But happy that it exists. Right. <laughs> and we talked about this that it almost had to end just because there just was too many guys. Right, like you just couldn't have this many talented people around uh, and and have it exist, right? Like at some point, they just had to they'd have to break off because you can't have 
you know, uh, all, you know, Maeda and Yamazaki and Takata and Funaki and Suzuki, and then you know, Ishikawa and all those guys are in the pipeline behind them, and it's just too many top guys. And at some point, you just needed to. They all kind of needed to have their own teams. Well, you know, they, Kevin Durant couldn't stay on the Warriors past three years. He needed to go have his own team, right? At some point, you just couldn't couldn't have an, that many all stars in your roster. Uh, so, which is, I guess, you know, what eventually just too many guys needed to be the top guy. Yeah, I mean, you you watch the show and the crowd. I mean, the crowd is hot. I mean, it is they're 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 hanging on everything they do in this match. And I mean, it's you know, I think probably your unin, uninitiated American fan would assume that shoot side would be sort of a quiet thing overall and you know obviously that's sort of a perception of japanese crowds and 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 it certainly can be but i mean uh, not 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 the case here i mean and and they were hanging not just on the not just on the big exchanges but on all the kind of littler stuff that we talked about i mean the you know the fujiwara the fujiwara bullshit and you know it's just i mean they're 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 hooked on every one of the 29 minutes right i, I described it in my book as the, the pacing of this, you have, it's it's almost it's they do the stop start thing right. where, where where they you know have these moments of actions and then the lulls, but obviously nobody fills dead space like Fujiwara, right? He's always going to have some way to engage with the crowd, but it is something that goes you know slows and goes fast, which actually is very similar to the way that you know real combat sports works, right? You know most fights have you know a you know. A minute and a half of a three-minute boxing round is going to be circling and fainting, and then you'll have moment. Even great ones don't aren't Hagler, you know aren't Hagler. Hagler Hearns was a three-round fight for a reason. No, that's right, right? Like you know, what I mean, that kind of thing doesn't happen normally. Even even in the best boxing matches, we'll have you know the, they'll turn it on at two twenty of a three-minute round or MMA too, right? So it really is appropriate that you have these moments where they just kind of circle and faint and Fujiwara kind of you know taunts and smirks and then they get into it and then, you know really it it really makes the moments of explosion mean more because they've got these moments of kind of they're not dead but they're that they're they're paused they're feeling each other out and then the last you know three minutes of this are like you know super intense right they do really turn it up the way you might see two guys in a 12th round of a very close boxing match turn it up although they're they're also tired at the end, and I like the fact that they they show that, right? I mean, like there's there's moments in there where Yamazaki's sort of standing there with hands on his knees, and you know Fujiwara is is bathed in sweat. So I mean, it, you know, again, all that stuff adds to the verisimilitude, right? Right. I mean, and they're paying off the work that you know, like I was used to, you know, you put put it in the bank in the beginning of a fight. Something my boxing coach always used to say, right? You put some stuff in the bank at the beginning, and then you take the money out at the end. So a lot of that is what body work is in, in like in boxing or MMA, right? You put it in, you put, you go ahead and work his body at the beginning of the fight, so he, so it slows him down at the end. And this is a match where both guys are getting pounded to the body, uh, knees and kicks and punches and really, really violent. I mean, I don't know. There's not a ton of violent head kicks in this by Yamazaki. There's some. But a lot of the real punishing stuff he's doing is just knees to the ribs, knees to the kidneys, kicks to the body kicks. You know, brutal stuff that doesn't look like he's pulling it at all. No, and I, I think... So you better be tired, right? Like, it's, if you want to make this work as a wrestling match, those last couple of minutes have got to feel like you, you know, got drugged through 
uh, broken glass. Well, and 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 I imagine that the the fatigue was legitimate, right? I mean, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't think that's all selling. I mean, I, I think that it's legitimately really hard to work this kind of match for for twenty nine minutes, right? And I think a lot of what they did in in these promotions was just basically seventy five, eighty percent. You know, they just go out there and shoot for a while and then have a finish. I think it's a lot of how this stuff was worked. I don't think you didn't have Pat Patterson wasn't backing there lay, laying out, you know, segments or anything like that. They, I think they just kind of, I don't know how much even calling it in the ring they were doing. I think they just, you know, went out there and fought and then they had a finish. Um, and maybe that's, you know, me, maybe that's me looking at that with a little bit of rose colored glasses, but that was always kind of my impression. So, yeah, I mean, you go through 30 minutes of hard sparring. Like, even if, you, even if it's not a full fight, even if it's hard sparring, that is exhausting. Uh, you know, and I know that even just how exhausting it is just, you know, sparring boxing. I've never sparred, uh, you know, with kicks and grappling and anything like that either. I can imagine it's even more tiring. I always do wonder how they talk about the more, you know, did, did they talk ahead of time about any of the sort of more violent exchanges that led to the... That, that, that led to the knockdowns um, just because I mean, some, some of those shots are so, are, are so nasty. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know if, if you just sort of, if they would just go in sort of expecting that knowing who they were working against or, you know, how they sort of worked that out. I mean, I assume they, I mean, I assume they worked out sort of who was going to take how many falls, but beyond that, I don't, I, I don't know how much they would have talked it out. Yeah. I mean, I imagine these are also guys who, I mean, it was a small promotion, right? So you imagine that they would train; they were training together. Sure. Uh, and I mean, Fujiwara, I think, had a hand, a big, pretty big hand in training Yamazaki. And I imagine that a lot of this stuff was worked out just, just straight work in the in the in the gym. But yeah, I mean, I don't know how they how they called this stuff. I, I you know, I, I'm not sure if they if that's an answerable question. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I think a lot of this was just. I mean, it, and the thing about. You know, the idea of most of this just being as you go, they had so many moments which really felt like moments in this match, right? Where they really felt like dramatic beats that you would script out, uh, which makes it even more impressive if, there, if that was just something that happened somewhat naturally, yeah. right? Those downs that happened really were, you know, really moments of drama. No, I mean, there was, um, there was this incredible, this was maybe my favorite sequence in the match. There, like fairly late Yamazaki does land. He lands a sharp kick to the face. As you said, there weren't, there weren't a lot. And, and Fujiwara did his sort of nifty delayed collapse thing. Then he gets up and he kind of goes into his classic shielding his body in the corner act, which, you know, is you see, you see throughout his career. And he was, he was brilliant at that. But, but then instead of sort of playing rope it up, he, he just fights his way out of the corner with, I think really the best body punches I've ever seen him throw, which is saying something because I mean he's a guy with great great body punches, and and he drops Yamazaki and and Yamazaki at that point is down to is down to one knockdown. And it's just it's just it's just an amazing sequence of, of wrestling, right? At, at, yeah, at so good, so good. Yeah, and you know, like I said, just I'm such a enormous fan of great body punches, and you know, name the great body punchers in pro wrestling on one hand, maybe. Uh, it's hard to do. It's hard to work a body punch. I think it's a lot harder to work a body punch than it is to work a punch to the head. Yeah, they uh, they tend to look like they they tend to look like pulled punches, right? And yeah, and um, I mean it's and 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 they almost have to be because I mean 
we know. I mean, you you know how much damage a body punch does. I mean, like it's you you can't you can't hit it. Uh, personally, I know personally. I know. I, uh, I remember the. Um, I don't know if I told the story in the podcast before. Maybe I have. The my first ever sparring when I trained boxing uh, was at Finley's Gym in Washington D.C., which is this classic old like shitty boxing gym over a garage. Uh, uh, in Washington D.C., that some of the great fighters in D.C. history have trained at. I mean, I got I got a ringworm once because the owner just had his dogs all the was always in there, and they're always like th- it was really classic stuff. There's always like three uh, guys in their 80s just sitting and playing checkers, and it was clear that like the you know one of them fought Jake Lamont. <laughs> like you know, all three of those guys, one of them fought Jake Lamotta, one of them fought, you know, wait, you know, got knocked out by Sugar Ray Robinson or something like that. They would just be in there playing checkers. So that was the the, the vision. And the first time where my guy who trained me um wanted to see whether I was tough enough to actually go past boxing class and actually go into boxing training. He put me in there with a guy who was uh sort of a a DC sports legend, John uh, Bebe Durham, who was like a Georgetown basketball like Hall of Famer, maybe the best player in Georgetown basketball history before Ewing, played a little bit in the NBA, um, and was a huge guy. And he was older at that point, uh, but probably in his late 40s, but like enormous, you know, six foot five, 270. And he basically told Bebe, See what we're just doing body punches. See whether this, you know, I think he probably just told him see what what he's got. So he basically just beat the living shit out of me with body punches <laughs> to the point where I mean, it was just like brutal. But I was like, you know, at the 22, 25 year old kid with full of uh, testosterone, I'm thinking, well, I'm not gonna back down here. I can't back down. What about what am I if I back down? So it's just like tuck this, you know, absolutely thumping to the body and it hurt as much as anything's ever hurt in my entire life. So body punches are not you're right. I don't know how you can you can make them look good if they're pulled. And if they're not pulled, they are pulverizing. By the way, you 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 just threw in a a backhanded diss at former Golden State Warriors legend Eric Sleepy Floyd by, by by claiming that someone other than him was the best Georgetown player before Patrick. Oh yeah, you're right, <laughs> Sleepy Floyd shit. <laughs> Bebe's my friend. He's a buddy of mine, though. I, I became pretty good friends with him later in life, so I wanted to like, give him his flowers. I hear, I, <laughs> I, 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 I hear you, but as as a, as a Warriors fan, that felt a little. That, that felt a little. That's cool. true. Sleepy, although Sleepy Floyd was a little before my time. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I saw it. It's a good, good point. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, I got to get my, I had to get my old, my old, my back in the day anecdote in on the podcast <laughs> to let let them know my bona fides when it comes to fist fights. Um, so I want to talk a little about this finish because we talked about yeah. Fujiwara being one of the great finish guys of all time. This is just an absolutely masterful finish. So we've talked about the, the, it really heating up at the very end of this of this match, right? Where it really you have the point where Fujiwara is able to knock him down with those body shots, and then Yamazaki sort of backs Fujiwara into the corner. And, you know, Fujiwara has been laying him out with headbutts the entire fight, right? Like he had, we talked about the one to the ear at the open earlier, just these absolutely brutal headbutts, and Yamazaki throws a receipt yes 
for those headbutts at the end of this thing. And which is what qualifies this match for my book. Yes, it, because it, yep. Fujiwara comes up just like with a mouthful of blood like he just had dental surgery. It's like she's like dripping out of his mouth. So like I don't know what exactly Hamazaki did to his mouth. He knocked out teeth. Kind of looked like he knocked out teeth. Well, uh, or or really cut his cheek bad or something. Like that. He goes from no blood to a lot of blood really fast. What he did was he rammed the top of his head full force into his mouth. Whatever, whatever damaged <laughs> that rot. It was, it, was, it was a horrifying thing to do to a person. <laughs> yeah, although, I mean, kind of, but also, like, you know, appropriate. Oh, yeah, I mean, it fit the... Uh, I think it wasn't inappropriate. Oh, oh, it, it was fit. just like... No, it fit, it fit. Uh, but, but again, you know... T- just to get back to what we said early, I mean, these are these are the kind of headbutts that you would throw if you were sort of fighting for your life and <laughs> using your head as your last ditch weapon, right? I mean, that, that's 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 how these felt. Yeah, it's, it's an Irish bar fight headbutt, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. I mean, I, I, I get the. I, I, you know, I've been a, I was a rugby player. <laughs> I got, I got, I got hit with one of those headbutts before in a bar, and that doesn't feel great. <laughs> um, uh, I never really threw them. I didn't really felt like I had confidence. I was just gonna be like, I, I was always gonna be just taking the guy to the ground. I wasn't gonna try to try to mess up. I didn't feel like I had the great technique on those headbutts. But this one, yeah, he drives it right into his 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 mouth, and you can kind of just see Fujiwara. You know, he he puts a little like. Uh, you know, chicken wing or whatever. And afterwards, it doesn't really sold or anything like that. And Fujiwara kind of, kind of walks around. I'm watching it. Right, I walks around. He's got blood streaming out of his mouth. He checks his teeth. Kind of goes, "All right, motherfucker, I got gotcha. you. This is what we're doing, huh? We're doing this." And he unloads with. A, he unloads. He first he throws some like little bullshit kicks right like to get his head around him and then you know we're talking about like at this point it's 29 minutes in 29 minutes and 20 seconds in and then he just kind of absolutely demolishes him with the headbutts i mean just full force running headbutts right to his you know four or five of them right to his face uh for the knockout (laughs) it really did feel like okay that was a great little headbutt (laughs) That that was cute that was cute. Okay. All right. But, um, but yeah, I mean... <laughs> I'm going to cave your eye in with my head. But, yeah, I mean, the blood the blood here is... It is a beautiful thing because the match is not built is not built around it. And, you know, I, I mean, I think probably hardly any shoot-style matches are quote-unquote built around the blood, right? But it's just such a... It's just such a perfect validation of what a, of what a dogfight it was, right? I mean, it, it, yeah. it just... It, it it puts the stamp on the whole thing. Yeah, and we get some really great Fujiwara celebration post match. We kind of his little dance. He points to everybody in the crowd. I mean, just like a real like yeah. They this is what this kid. This is too, who's this is what's still going on here. This kid is a tough little kid. I give him a lot of credit. <laughs> give this youngster a lot of credit. But this is but if, when the chips are down, this is what I do. <laughs> And then, uh, which I thought was just great. Yeah, and then yeah, he, you know, gives him a big hug at the end and like really does, you know, like celebrates what they achieved together. But I do love his kind of like post match strut. And right, uh, they're very gracious with each other. And again, that's you know, we've 
you see, we've seen that in boxing over the years after the most horrifying fights, you know, that's, it's, it's ultimately usually brings the fighters closer together. Right. Sure. Right. I mean, what did they always said that like, um, Mickey Ward and Arturo Gotti were like, you know, bosom buddies after their, uh, weird, after their fight. Weird moment of communion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I, you, there is something about going through that where you feel like, you know, I, you know, the right. I was, uh, you know, it always involved in violence, violent sports and, you know, football and rugby and boxing, all that same sort of thing where you kind of feel like, well, this guy's crazy enough to do this shit, too. So I have to respect him at least a little bit. Yeah. Um, and obviously there is some less theatrical, you know, hatred and, you know, shoot style stuff than there is in normal professional wrestling. Right? You don't build that. There's no there's not angles as much in this kind of thing. No. So you do see a little more, it is a little more like a sports idea, although like, you know, I think there is, I don't, there wasn't as much graciousness and, and uh, goodwill between Funaki and Nakano, for example, in the ship match earlier in the show, which I uh, wrote about in the book and talked about in the podcast, those guys, you did get the sense, were eager to hug and celebrate each other. They still fucking hate each other when it was over, which happens sometimes in fights too, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Like I don't know if Ali and Joe Frazier ever made up. I believe they they definitely did not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and then, then so you see it sometimes the other way too, right? Sometimes it's like I'm never gonna forgive this person for you know what they said or what they did or what they put me through, right? I don't I don't know if uh, you know and, and and that's part of it too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if you could. Do you think you could do a? I mean, I, there are some promotions that do shoot style today. In various ways, but it was really a sort of a moment in time that we taught. You know, we, I talked a little about this other podcast too. Like MMA sort of killed it. Um, yeah, uh, sort of sadly in a lot of ways because it is a great when it's done well. It's it's the best. It, it, it is like if somebody if somebody just did this match all of a sudden on a modern show. I don't I don't even know what people would make of it. Like I, you know, I I don't know. <laughs> You could do it on an indie. Show. I bet this would get over on an indie show. Yeah. If you did this, it's like I mean, you guys do versions of this that aren't as good, right? That get over pretty well. Sure. You know, I, I there's been some pretty well received, you know, uh, Dominic Garini matches. Not either one we talked about. My book wasn't a match like that, but he's done shoot style matches that have gone over well, and I've really enjoyed it. Obviously, you know, as much as I like Dominic Reed, he is not Yoshiaki Fujiwara, or really even Yamazaki, right, as far as the level of skill and talent for doing this kind of thing. So I, don't know, I think you do it. It's long. But again, you wrestling matches are long these days. So so maybe, I mean, the you know late lamented NXT matches, some of those would go 45 minutes. I don't know if we're going to see that anymore, but... Uh, but they, they certainly would do them, right? And uh, there are certainly indie matches that go really long now, too. So I don't know, maybe you could do it. But, you know, I think part of what I like so much about this still, every time I revisit it, is it, it doesn't, it does not feel like fake MMA. You know, it feels like its own thing, or at least it does to me. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you feel about that. But, like, you know, some, some modern versions of shoot style really do feel like, you know, thin water. MMA, but I, I, this this doesn't feel that way to me at all. It feels it feels like they kind of create. No, it does. I mean, a part of it was I think it was pre MMA, right. right? So you did. So you do think see things that you know are that we know aren't what a real competitive martial arts fight looks like 
but would still but still worked in the context of what what they were doing here. Right. But yeah, no, it doesn't feel like fake MMA, and it feels like I mean, it feels more to me like a great boxing match that does a great mixed martial arts fight. Like, this feels to me more like, you know, a really, really, like, legendary tough guy's 70s boxing match is the vibe I get from this. More than I get from this is a great UFC fight. Like, this doesn't feel like, you know, I'm trying to think of what would be an equivalent. This isn't like, I I was, I I wanted, like, this isn't like a really great Anderson Silva fight, but it's almost like a really great uh, you know, Ron Lyle heavyweight boxing match. Yeah, I mean, ry- rhythmically, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, that's that's a, that's some, that's some cool shit, and it it is like one of my favorite things. I love wrestling matches that feel like that. You know, have that sort of feel of guys. You know, pulling themselves through something. Your best, you know, Ishikawa Ikeda matches are like that. Your best. Jerry Lawler matches are like that, right? Your best, uh, your best, uh, you know, Sangre Chicana matches are like that, where it just feels like these guys are driving themselves through something, and they're going to come out at the end diminished, but ascendant in the same way. Uh, and I think that's what this match really does. It really is, really is absolutely tremendous. So you've. You've watched a shit ton of Fujiwara since you watched this, since you first saw this match. Yeah. Um, you know, you've you've tried to watch every Fujiwara match you can find. I mean, d- to you, is this still his masterpiece? I think so. I think so. I think it is. And I, and I, there's a lot of really great ones too. There's a really some a really great Takata match in 1990, which is up there. Some of the Maeda stuff. I mean, I just love the Super Tiger feud in the first UWF yep. for just matches where you're just like, my God, what these guys are putting themselves through. I mean, that match is more violent than this. Um, and yeah, but I think this is, I think because I think this is really a Fujiwara match in in ways that in some other of his really great matches, there is much the other guy, but this is him sort of, this is like his, his great American novel, his like three minute perfect pop song. Um, and it really e- exemplifies what I think makes him one of the all-time greatest wrestlers ever. And I mean, he's still he's still at or near his physical peak, right? But he's clearly got he's got his thing down. Like he's got he's got all of his shtick down. He's got he's got his rhythm down. He just he just he just knows exactly how he wants to carry it off, right? Right, it's his physical peak, but he kind of wrestles like at this like a guy who's a little past his physical peak. Like, I don't think he is, but I think the role he plays in this match is of a guy who's, you know, on the wrong side of his career. Still great, but maybe not as, not what he was. But as you, but as you said, he felt like that, he kind of felt like that when he was 30. <laughs> That's true. Like, I mean, that, that is the weird thing about him. I, I don't, I mean, trying to think of, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of exactly, I mean, I've got to figure, this is, again, an answerable question. Exactly how old Fujiwara was in this match. So we can, like I said, we can always find this out. So Fujiwara was like, born. Like 40, right? Something like that. Yeah, he was, he was, uh, let's see. He's 72 now. And, uh, and this was, uh, 31 years ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like 40. Right. Right. Not old for a wrestler. 
but not Yamazaki, who's you know probably twenty five or something like that, right? But he's still so, yeah, and and he and he still had his full, he still had his full on explosiveness, right? I mean, when he's when he's when he's flurrying or you know, I mean, it, it's it's he he's a fully coiled athlete still. Yeah, Ujura, which, and, which that does diminish a little bit as you get on. And the interesting thing about Fujiwara is we have very little of his like pure youth. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, that's, like his that's, he started wrestling in 1972. Right. That's the big gap with him. I mean, we basically have nothing from 72 to 83, really. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to. I mean, I could I, I, the first. I have a night. There's a 1975 match that we that exists, um, and. Which is like the Young Lions Cup right. match with him in Kabura, where he's very young, and then we, he spends most of the seventies and early eighties in in between Japan and Europe. We've got, and then we have some. We start really getting footage of him in eighty two. Yeah, so we don't have much of his the first ten years of his career at all. Hardly any of it. No, that's right. Where he was like an explosive athlete in his twenties. <laughs> don't have it. We we start. I mean, I'm sure it's, even in seventy five, he kind of didn't look like he was twenty. Uh, but uh, um, but goddamn, if you look through, like I'm looking at cage match right now. If you look through some of the stuff he had in the seventy three, he's in matches against Carisu and uh, and Grand Hamada and Fujinami in seventy three. I mean, I imagine this stuff was just incredible. Like, can you imagine what a what a seventy three keto Fujiwara match would look like? We've seen what you know late eighties Fujiwara keto matches look like, or what like young Fujinami Fujiwara, where they wrestled each other a lot yeah. and didn't really ever have a singles match during the peak of their career of their careers, even though they had some really great like tag things. Well, they had that they had an amazing segment in one of those gauntlet matches. I think it was the eighty six one. Which sort of just whets your appetite for a true singles match between them. But you're right, we don't we don't have it. I mean, they have, and then they have a, they have an old guy singles match like way way down the line, like like yeah, early early, the, but yeah, um, but yeah, they, they have, but yeah, they never did it. They never had one in '88, right, or '87 no, like, or '89 during that period where they were really uh, an, an opposing squads. And that always lots of tags, lots of eliminations. That's a real missed. That's one of the great missed opportunity matches in wrestling where it's just like you didn't didn't happen, but why did it happen? No, it feels and and that period is so phenomenal that, you know, the the UWF invasion period, it's one of the you know, and I know I know you feel this way too, one of the greatest periods of wrestling that we that we have, but that is absolutely kind of the missing link. But so so I'm counting this out, eleven, twelve, thirteen, they had like 20 singles matches in the 70s. These are against each other all the time. <laughs> 25, I think, singles matches in the mm-hmm. 1970s. Uh, obviously, none of them, we don't have footage of any of them. Yeah. I imagine some of them are just awesome. Yeah. I mean, they probably didn't get a lot of time in a lot of them, but yeah. I'm saying like seven to one, a couple with 16, 17 minutes. Yeah. I don't know. You know, maybe those New Japan undercard matches sometimes would go long inexplicably. Yeah, you know, they did a Carl Gotch Cup match in '74 that goes like 13, 14, 15 minute time limit draw in '74. Oh, I'm telling you, very frustrating to look at this. Well, often, what happens to me when I start looking at cage match, I go fucking hell. Well, right, I, I remember <laughs> we would we would do that with the whole 
kind of I mean there were whole years in Memphis that are like that, right? Where it's yeah just torture yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh this this happened, huh? <laughs> got the I've I've got the T V set again up. And I'm sure it's taped, and I'm sure who the fuck knows, right? But uh but yeah, that's like I think I'm trying to think of some other what were some other like matches? I mean, you know, you never had a Lawler Hansen match, even though they were both in Memphis. And for some reason Hansen just worked Austin Idol. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some other ones that were just like you know, I mean the 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 WWF being as you know, segmented as it was. Is Greg Valentine and Randy Savage ever had a match against each other, even though they were both in the WWF in the eighty five, but they were both heels, so why would they have? I'm trying to think of some other ones like that were just like, why didn't this happen? Yeah, no, I don't I don't I don't I think they did. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but it's very it's very easy to go down these down down the down the footage rabbit holes, right? Where you where you just it just drives you crazy. Yeah, I mean, this one isn't even footage. Just I'm trying to think of like you know just guys like that, like Fujiwara, who just felt like at some point somebody should book the goddamn match, and it just never happened, right? Um, I I don't think there's was ever an Aja Kong. Kandori singles match. Which, like, you know, why the fuck not? Right? They were, those two were always around each other for 20 years. Nobody ever booked them in a singles match against each other. It just kind of just drives you nuts. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, it looks like, uh, looks like I'm wrong. Randy Savage uh, had a, uh, had actually, so had, was in, uh, this is stupid. I just said that I didn't think Randy Savage ever had a singles match against Greg Valentine. He had one at, at WrestleMania. <laughs> so what the hell do I know? That sounded at WrestleMania. <laughs> WrestleMania four. They, they were in the World Heavyweight Title Tournament together. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's the bad enough to say, "Oh well, I forgot about this house show, Boston Gardens match." Oh, it's just a fucking WrestleMania match against each other, and then two Nitro matches, '96, which were past year. Uh, one went five minutes, and one went three minutes. So not exactly. Uh, those probably aren't aren't hidden gems. No. Uh, but it is funny that I forgot about a match that happened at WrestleMania. I don't know. That wasn't a very memorable show, honestly. <laughs> WrestleMania sucked. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty bad. Yeah, I remember that was like the that was a real misstep uh, of of you know Matty and throughout you know being a wrestling fan in, the, in that period. In a lot of ways, was an exercise in frustration. I believe that was one of the ones where I forced my father to. I dragged my father to the the Baltimore Civic Center to, to watch it on on a closed circuit screen. <laughs> oh, the closed circuit screens! I don't think I ever did the closed circuit screens. I did. I did. You know, force my parents to pay like sixty dollars for a paper. Remember how expensive fucking pay per views were? I think this they're still expensive, but you just nobody. You don't really do them anymore, well, just, right? Yeah, right, right. It's just. Uh, but it used to be like you know, you have to convince your parents to pay like sixty bucks for you know Capital Combat or something like that. You know, RoboCop doesn't even do anything. Your dad's like, why did we pay all this money for this? <laughs> Well, as I as I recall, at least with our cable system, like you had to know, like I had to know the last four digits of my dad's social security number. I think <laughs> to, to, order, to order the pay per view, and, and 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 I did know it, so I would sort of sneak one in every every so often, and uh, and if I didn't do it too much, it would uh, it would not draw too much uh, too much comment. <laughs> okay, it's funny. I at one point, uh, I at one point during the end days of cable. I had a buddy who actually backed my boxing days who I used to spar with who was a cable guy. So he got me like a box that where you could watch all the pay-per-views for, I mean, for 
you basically steal them. Yeah. Um, uh, so that was like I watched all like the first fifteen TNA pay per views because they had the box. <laughs> so I watched. Like, it's like oh, man, this is free, right? <laughs> it kind of stinks, but to spend your life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, look, it's, it's, there's some wasted years there. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe it all it all came together. I wrote a book. I've got an award-winning podcast at some point if they gave awards for these. So maybe it all pays off at the end. But yes, at some point you're just like going, oh, you know, this has got, it's got uh, Flash Flanagan's on this one. I might as well check that out. I like that guy <laughs> sitting there watching early TNA pay-per-views, which were not the best. No no matches, uh, no, none, none of those matches in the book, right? I don't think. <laughs> not early TNA. I do have a, there is, I, I do have a TNA match in the book. Uh, I have uh, Kevin Nash versus uh, Mick Foley is in the book. Ah, yeah. Have you ever seen that match? I think so. I know I've seen. The, I know I've seen the Ric Flair one, the like garbagey yeah. Mick Foley Ric Flair one. I think I've seen that. Yeah. Mick Foley Kevin Nash is tremendous. I recommend that you spend eleven minutes checking it out. It doesn't make any sense. It's two thousand nine for both those guys. No reason it should be any good. It's in the middle of some stupid. Uh, you know, it's in the middle of one of those guys is in the the one of the dumb fifty dumb TNA uh, stables. I don't know what the fuck they're stable. You know, they always you know they just every three months would have a new fake NWO. It was one of those things they were battling over that thing. But the uh, and I'll set probably should save this for the Mick Foley Kevin Nash review. But the basic underlying meta storyline was that Kevin Nash thought Mick Foley was a clown for punishing himself the way he did to make money in the wrestling business. And Mick Foley thought Kevin Nash was a preening jackass for not showing any dedication to professional wrestling. And that was what the storyline of the thing was. Like, Foley's like, I'm going to make you pay. And then Nash was like, and at some point Nash just had to, had to go there to make it work. It's really good. And that has a really stupid ending because TNA is a dumb promotion and did <laughs> stupid shit all the time. <laughs> But I fully recommend it. Uh, 14, you'll be shocked at how good it is if you watch it. You're like, you might think I'm bullshitting you, but uh, uh, you'll be watching this going, I can't believe how good this is. I can't believe that 20 years after the Vader match, he's recreating the match with fucking Kevin Nash of all people in his favor. Honestly, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure that I even remember that Kevin Nash was in TNA, but of course he was. Kevin Nash was in TNA for like Ten years. He was in TNA so much longer than he was in any other promotion in his wrestling career. <laughs> like he had, he had like a three-year, four-year, three-year run in WCW, and like a two-year run in the WWF, and like a ten-year <laughs> run in TNA. <laughs> it's a ridiculous thing about it. Like if you look at the number of matches he had in each promotion, so many more in TNA. <laughs> Yes, that's the other thing. You don't remember this. Uh, you know, I did a podcast with uh, Joshua Bishop, who's a really talented indie wrestler. I don't know if you've uh, watched his match with Dominic Reed, which is in the book. I heard the podcast. I recommend doing both. And he, you know, talked about how the TNA was the thing he grew up on. Like that was his inspiration. Like, was that as was like, that just was it was it like a regional thing or was it because he? No, it's just like you know that's that was your cool alternative. If you're like a kid who wants to get into pro wrestling and doesn't want to doesn't want to be the guy kind of person who gets really into WWF. That was his ECW or his and you know his 
NWAs. He's a guy who like inspired by AJ Styles and Abyss and you know Samoa Joe and all those guys. Well, and, and, and to be fair, it would make sense, man. We're in our forties. That kid's like twenty three. <laughs> but I mean, I I would say even for people like us, there was a brief period where it legitimately felt that way, right? Like I mean, where the guys that you were excited about from the Indies, you know, Loki Styles, those, those I mean, Samoa Joe, those, that that was where they kind of made their national splash so it had it had a genuine it had a genuine thing going there briefly yeah i guess and i mean i is it, out of all the i mean I, you know me i've watched about as much wrestling as any human ever uh but that is a giant blind spot for me i don't know how much tna i've ever watched I, i'm getting bigger blind spots as i get older um i don't know the last time i watched a new japan match uh, from the in the twenty, I don't know how much two thousand twenty first century New Japan I've watched, for example, for something that a lot of people really love. And uh, similarly, there, are, uh, you know, Eric will sometimes make me watch a WWF match, and I'll be like, "Who, who the fuck are these guys? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that guy? Who is this person?" Uh, you know, I guess that's the guy. That promotion's got a lot of people in it. Some of it's just like a, you know, they have like thirty guys, thirty-five guys that end up be, uh, you know, NXT UK. Like probably need three of them. So, I mean, you're you're obviously the 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 most uh, the most famous episode of this podcast is the Tony Khan episode. Obviously, I mean, where where are you with the AEW thing? I mean, that that's uh, that's that's at the forefront of the news right now. That's we're obviously at a weirdly exciting time to be a mainstream wrestling fan are, are you engaged with that at all or i i know i i i think i, I i'm kind of feeling like i kind of want to start watching it and i watched the the, the word we're, we're this is gonna get real actually this is getting recorded on a monday released on a thursday so this is relatively current some of these podcasts sit on the shelf for a while well, this one's not going to so i watched what happened on friday and, and kind of really enjoyed it and I don't know, it's kind of fun to have a promotion that seems to be doing some exciting things in a way that, I don't know if there, there has been much wrestling that super has super excited me as like, I don't I can't wait to watch what happened on This Week in TV. When was the last time a wrestling promotion did that for you? Like, ooh, what's going to happen next week on TV? Not what's, you know, I'm going to find a cool tape or something or a cool match from 30 years ago. But actually, like, I'm excited for Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's been... It feels like it's been more than 10 years, right? I mean, I guess there's been maybe really brief little runs of WWE where it was kind of like that, but... Yeah, like, I really like the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. Right, I was going to say that. That was... That S.H.I.E.L.D. Wyatt, uh, Shield Wyatt family time felt a little like that. Um, I mean, you know, I... But that's still, like, so much... Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say there's still so much shit. There's there's a lot of stuff in AEW I'm not excited about either. <laughs> but if it feels like they did, they have... Uh, ironed out a fair number of the wrinkles that I saw in that promotion earlier. And there's some guys in that promotion who are relatively high up who aren't really my cup of tea. Uh, but, you know, like, it, it, it does feel like they are doing, like, there is some sort of kind of that idea like you saw during Nitro or whatever, where you, you know, era stuff or Raw during that period where it was actually pretty exciting each week what was going to happen. I mean, Nitro, it was exciting for me in a weird way with Nitro, because I was excited, like, I can't believe they brought in Super Astro. But, you know, like, that was a different kind of excitement, but it was still pretty exciting when they brought in Super Astro. <laughs> well, I guess that was the, but that was the beauty of Nitro, right? Like, they were just throwing so much money and so much TV time out that, like, there were so many different layers of things that you could theoretically be excited about. I mean... <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, and, and so I don't know. I, I mean, I'm excited. So I, I think I've, I kind of felt like after Friday, like I think I might actually start watching this promotion regularly on TV. So that's kind of where I am on it. And then maybe I, that last two weeks, and then I'm just like, I can't. You know, this, they ran a, a three-segment uh, Lucha Brothers tag, and I was just like, I, I can't do it. Uh, but but right now I'm like I'm gonna watch I'm gonna watch uh, watch Wednesday and see what happens and be kind of excited about it. I you know I've never I was never the biggest punk guy, but that was a pretty fun uh, that was a fun segment wrestling segment for sure, and it felt like something was happening that was pretty exciting. Yeah, and I mean they they did it they did it right. I mean there was there was no no bullshit right like it was the it was the good yeah like you saw the when you saw when you saw like when you read the Twitter or whatever best word like what everybody was saying. Oh, maybe they're going to do this where it's going to really be MJF under the hoodie, and then then there's music's going to come out, and they had and it's just like no, that that would have been dumb. They should have just done it like this, right? Like he just comes out and gives a you know speech, lets everybody be really excited about it, and then sets something up. You know, that's actually how the, it should have been done. They, they didn't, he didn't they they didn't overbook this. They didn't try to do anything. You know, two. They didn't try to do three things when you should just do one thing. Um, which, you know, I appreciate it. I think so much professional wrestling over the last, you know, well, for like 20 years has been three booking ideas when you should have just done two. So, yeah, I mean, just just the fact that they're they're able to drag old, cynical people like us to the point of maybe being excited about watching wrestling <laughs> television feels like some kind of achievement, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's got to be, you got to give, give them some credit for that. I mean, I am not somebody who would, who uh, would thought I was necessarily going to get to that point again? Unless, unless you're talking about weekly wrestling television being paradigm pro wrestling UWFI contender series on independent wrestling TV, I got kind of excited about that. I'm like, oh, bringing this fat guy who's got like a jujitsu black belt to <laughs> work a three minute match in a in a garage somewhere. I'm into that. But yeah, I mean, like actual on television pro wrestling television. I assume that was. I was done with that. I mean, and again, I'm coming in a little hesitant. Right. So sure, sure. But you know, <laughs> you, you, you have to protect yourself. <laughs> yeah, and I, but I, you know, and I appreciated Tony Khan doing my podcast. Like, I feel like I <laughs> watched the show for a little bit, and be excited about it. That's really nice for him to do. So I was, you know, I got, certainly uh, they probably sold me some bucks. I really appreciate that. So I'm going to go. You know, like, I'm, I think I'm going to watch a couple weeks and see what happens. Um, but I think they're, you know, I got to. I think it's also it seems very clarifying. That you know, it seems like the WWE has really decided that they're uh, going to do something else. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what that thing is. But it doesn't feel like they're going to try to the, the style that they've been working and the you know what I think they just feel like they're going to completely go into a different direction, um, which will be interesting. I don't know whether you can necessarily just find uh, you know find ten. Uh, you know, collegiate offensive linemen teach them how to wrestle and end up with two good guys. But there's a lot of wrestlers I like who are just that, right? Yeah, I mean... You know, people have really been shitting on this. So they're going to get rid of all these indie guys they are just going to hire, like, real athletes and try to... I don't know, that's... You know, that, there's some, some of my favorite wrestlers are guys who are just kind of, like, ended up like that, right? Well, I mean, I... Look, look I'm... I mean, I think we're, we're, we're people who would much rather watch, uh, you know... Amateur Russian wrestlers uh, suddenly show up in in, in 1989 New Japan than than, than we would watch uh, you know recent NXT right so so yeah sure I'd rather I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather watch Tony Holm than Adam Cole 
like fucking all day, right? Like, you know, so yeah, I'm kind of excited to see what they do. I mean, I I kind of interested to see what what they do with uh, whether they with this idea of just gonna get guys with with athletic pedigree and try to teach them to wrestle. I wish the the style they were teaching them was a little more interesting. But you know, who knows? Maybe the style is gonna change now that you're not gonna have guys who uh, who uh, you know grew up watching you know U.S. indie wrestling. But I mean, yeah, they're just, I don't know. They're so, they're so far up their own asshole that it's kind of hard to know. It's kind of hard to see them finding a way out to a new place, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I mean, it'll be interesting to see, right? Uh, I think, uh, like I said, the idea of, bring, you know, if they brought in a bunch of amateur wrestlers, that could be cool. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I kind of like Ridge Holland. He's a guy who seems to be like, only semi trained and was like I think he was like a rugby player or something like that. Kind of rustles like a like a uh, like um, awkward Rick Steiner. <laughs> Throw a guy in a weird way and him land good. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> like a guy, I was like a big, I'm a big fan of awkward Rick Steiner to get more guy get more like guys like that. Or you know I was an amateur you know two time uh, NAIA amateur wrestling champion. I'm just gonna come in here and you know toss a guy kind of awkwardly on his shoulder. Uh, that'd be dope. <laughs> they should they should bring back Cal Jack. I think he was working in the. Uh, I think he was a guy who was in their uh, developmental program at some point. He's like a tall guy with an athletic background. And once they've successfully quote unquote trained them, you can lose interest, right? Right. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm kind of I'm kind of intrigued. What's an NXT going to look like with a bunch of you know uh, jacked up uh, ex football players who have eight months of training? I don't know, that could be good. <laughs> I'm a guy who enjoys 1982 Dr. Death Steve Williams. I'm a guy who really likes Dick Vridge. He's a guy tying this back a little bit to the focus of this podcast, UWFA Reborn. His first couple of UWF Reborn matches, even before he kind of learned how to wrestle a little bit in rings, were certainly compelling. Giant Dutch kickboxer, I don't know what the fuck's going on, but it's going to throw hard punches. I love Dick Vridge because he made people angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, we're watching some more of the ring stuff again. It's like, I kind of like your guys who are just, you know, aren't necessarily tomorrow-level slick athletes. But just like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm awkward, but I've got a black belt in Taekwondo, and I'm going to fucking throw some kicks at your head and see what happens. Right, and I mean, you know... Sign me up. <laughs> right, or, you know, you see, you see Hashimoto, Hashimoto wrestling a, a, a giant Russian in a gi. It's like, okay, I'm there for... <laughs> Fucking hell, hell yeah. I mean, Fujiwara's, the PWFG Fujiwara run was a lot of him doing that kind of thing. Like, I'm going to try to find an interesting way to work, do something interesting with this uh, with this Dutch kickboxer, do something interesting with this little Thai boxing guy that I found, you know, who knows how I ended up, he ended up here, and uh, he knows what he really knows, what's going, what this is. Maybe he doesn't even speak Japanese, or maybe I don't speak Thai, but we're going to do something kind of interesting here. That was a fun period of Fujiwara, where he just was was kind of, you know, weirdly removed from what was what other things were going on in his promotion, but just kind of doing these like different style fights against weird dudes. And a lot of those guys never came back, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Now, we've got Lato Karakwak, I think, had one match, but it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't great. It wasn't this, but it was, you know, it was entertaining in a weird way, right? Uh, he had a couple, uh, you know, at some point, like the uh, 
with the mulleted, uh, um, you know, U.S. Uh, strip mall dojo guys they brought in. Some of those guys got pretty good by the end. Jerry Flynn. Um, uh, you know, so those guys, I think he had about a couple, about, I think a match against a young Chris Champion. You know, it's like those guys were, because they don't know what they're doing, but it's going to be entertaining. Yeah, I mean, that, and that, and that's the fun of PWFG, is, is it's, I, it, it's always sort of this, it, it has a little bit of a, like a carnival mess vibe that you didn't get with the other two. <clears throat> right, didn't UWFI and Rings, Rings you had a little bit early, had that. UWFI, they, they, didn't, they didn't have as many freaks uh, in UWFI. They kind of brought in more like, you know, uh, more like this guy was a, you know, Midwestern amateur wrestler who's going to take a guy down. Or, you know, when they brought in Vader, that was fun. I was going to say, I mean, Vader, I, Vader is sort of your penthouse version of that, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Vader's like the world's greatest version of a freak. <laughs> Goddamn Vader Fujiwara would have been a great match. We're talking about matches that felt like where guys were sort of in the same vicinity as each other, but, but, but never happened. Holy hell, that would have been incredible. Can you imagine what he would have done if he had a UWFI match against Vader? How he would have worked that? Yeah. How much better that would have been than the Dakota matches, and 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 the Dakota match is pretty 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 good, but but yeah, they're pretty yeah. good. Yeah, they're okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm a I'm a definitely a Takata low voter. I know, uh, you know, for the for most of his career, as far as and I, I think I like my I just generally I don't like shoot style guys to be too too good looking. Well, and and I think uh, over the long haul, at least in our little world, you you you've kind of carried the day on that. Yeah, right. Got David Tamara. He's obviously really talented, a little too handsome. The guys still look like they got like some some fucking ugliness to them. Maybe <laughs> like U.S. wrestlers to be good looking, right? You know, young Ricky Morton, Ric Flair, or whatever, right? Like, uh, I don't have any problem with that. But you shoot style guys that want to be ugly. <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, Childs, this was a pleasure to catch up. We. I uh, don't live in the same uh, area anymore, so we certainly haven't gotten to see each other uh, ver- at all in the last couple of years. Where we used to, you know, uh, you know, make treks to indie wrestling shows, you know, five ten years ago. So this is great, uh, really uh, great opportunity to catch up with you. I really appreciate you coming on and chatting about this uh, this really really awesome match. And I don't know how many what, how watched this is in twenty twenty one. But folks who are listening, this is a match that uh, you should check out. I don't think it's on YouTube, but I have it, and we'll certainly give it to anybody who wants to see it. So if, you know, like like any match in this book, there's a viewer's guide, which links to where it's linked on a, a network or on YouTube, and the matches that aren't linked, I've all got them all, and we'll, uh, we'll uh, slip them to you behind the bleachers. If you need them, so uh, anybody want to reach out to me, Charles? Do you have anything to plug? No, not, you're, not, you're not, on your really. Twitter, right? If you have if you have a specific interest in, in Baltimore sports, you know, please uh, please read my scribblings and, and 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 follow me on Twitter. But 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 otherwise, no. I mean, you know, I and it just you know, I, I would just say to people, you know, as far as the book is concerned, like if uh, you you and I have been to a fair amount of wrestling together, and if and if people want to know what it's like to ride with you in the car. On a, on a long trip to see a wrestling match, the, the the book is a fairly good reproduction of that. I feel like you, I feel like you battle tested at least some of the lines in in in, in the book, road tested them, uh, 
during during some of those trips. So do a trip to JAPW in New Jersey or something like that. Sure, yeah. uh, I think that's a compliment, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm taking I'm taking that as a compliment. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the spirit was offered, but I'm taking it as a compliment. Yeah. So uh, it was. It, folks, get that. What's your? Do you have a prediction for the uh, Ravens' record this year? It's. It's the the seventeen game things <laughs> throwing me off. Right, like you, like you say, you want to say eight and eight, but you don't know whether they're uh, whether they're I'm, I'm, pro- probably probably twelve and five. I think is twelve, 12 and five. Okay, that's weird. Yeah, it is weird. It's we- it's weird to say twelve and five, right? Feels very very wrong. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you so much. You have a great one. We'll be back next week with more uh, another episode of Way of the Blade.